Lyme disease. It changed the life of my client, friend, and team member. Jill Wickner is a copywriter and content marketing strategist whose happy place is showcasing your unique voice and message through strategic storytelling and personality-packed content. Jill specializes in helping creative entrepreneurs and small business owners grow more engaged and connected with audiences through impactful, high-converting copy that beautifully captures your voice captivates your audience and is optimized to get results that will help grow and market your business. I'm so excited to share Jill's journey, not only with Lyme disease, but with finding her true passion and moving into the second phase. Tune in now. Are you looking for unique gifts for the special women in your life? Moms, sisters, friends? The second phase Etsy shop was created with gift giving in mind. Visit the shop to purchase beautiful note cards for every occasion that after your special someone reads the personal note from you, they can put the card in a simple frame to display in their home. A gift that keeps on giving. The second phase features my original art photography that I personally selected for you. Another great gift idea is a journal. These journals are beautifully crafted with sturdy covers with my fine art images on them. We created the pages lined on one side and blank on the other for those who like to doodle, write in free form, or draw as part of their journaling practice. At the second phase, we believe in creativity as a tool for living a purposeful and meaningful life and want to share our creations with you. Our products are great for teacher gifts, Mother's Day gifts, birthday gifts, and just little happy gifts and inspiration. Are you feeling extravagant? and want to treat yourself to some art? Check out our beautiful line of fine art prints. They help any room in your home feel special. To access the Etsy shop, visit my website, www.robingrahamphotography.com forward slash shop. Or you can go straight to Etsy and just search the second phase. But keep in mind, there are no spaces. The second phase is all together. We hope you enjoy the shop and all of the products we've created, especially for you. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Hi, Jill. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be your guest. Oh, good. So will you please tell the listeners a little bit about you? Uh, sure. So I live in beautiful Bucks County, Pennsylvania, <laughs> and I am married. Um, actually, I many years ago, I, I almost backed out of a trip to Mexico with my girlfriends because I am intensely scared of flying but I wound up going and I met my husband there. So we met in Mexico and realized we only lived about an hour and 15 minutes away from each other. And uh, we love dogs. So we're involved with some local dog rescues and I love patient advocacy and Marvel movies and just curling up with a great book. Oh, that's nice. I love that story. I didn't know that about you and your husband. Yeah, and it's great because uh, he recently won an incentive trip. Uh, through work. So last month we went back to Mexico 
for a free trip. And we stayed probably, uh, I think our resort was about five minutes down the road from the resort where we met. So, we oh, were- so there, so there was a little nostalgia there, huh? A little bit. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love that. So tell us about your first phase. I know what it was because you actually worked in the same corporate company that my husband worked for for many years. Yep. Yes. I um I was always in the corporate world. So my first phase, I was working for a big pharmaceutical company. I was there for over 10 years working as a senior project coordinator. And I worked with a department who uh, we were responsible for the incentive compensation trips and the incentive uh, planning for their national sales force. Oh, wow. That's a big job. It, it was. It was. I really liked it. I loved the people I worked with. But over time, I just found myself feeling less and less inspired. I felt like I, I didn't really have a voice there. I just felt like a number. And I never really got to see the impact that I might be having. So it just started to feel less like a career and more like a job. So were you planning these events, but then you didn't actually get to go to the events to see the outcomes and how they impacted the individual employees that were at them? Um, yeah, exactly. We planned them. We did all the work behind them, but we didn't get, we didn't get to attend. <laughs> and you're a writer now. So were you yes. using your writing and copywriting skills at that point in time as well? You know, I would seek out any opportunity to be able to do that. Um, so in my position, I was putting together presentations. I would take any opportunity to write up training manuals and communications to the National Sales Force. Anything I could get my hands on that I could use my writing skills and my love for writing, I would always volunteer. Well, that's great because you are such a talented writer. Oh, thank you. Um, Before we dive into what you're doing now, because I love what you're doing now and I love your tagline. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but I would love for you to tell us a little bit about what was that stepping stone or that launching, the launching point of moving from corporate to being an entrepreneur and being self-employed. Um, so actually it was an experience with illness. Um, I, I was at work the one day and it was like someone flipped a switch. One minute I was fine. I was sitting at my desk and then suddenly I was extremely lightheaded. I was sweating. My vision was off. I felt like I was seeing the world through a veil. I was out of it. Um, I actually had to ask a colleague to walk to the restroom with me because I was scared I was gonna fall over. And I just got incredibly sick. Um, I wound up going to a vacant office that day and just putting my head down for a while and resting and somehow got myself home. Um, But little did I know at the time that would wind up being my last official day with the company. Wow, Um, and what, what illness did you actually end up being diagnosed with? So I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I had two, uh, two co-infections that are very common um, with tick-borne illness. So it was Lyme disease and then two infections called Babesia and Bartonella. It took about four and a half to five months to get a diagnosis. So during that time, I had a week-long hospital stay. I was in and out of the hospital. I was being dismissed by one doctor after the next. Nobody knew what it was. They didn't even know what else to test for. And I was getting sicker and sicker to the point where, you know, my husband was practically carrying me into doctor's offices because I could barely walk. I had trouble speaking. Um, My vision was off. I, I could barely eat or chew my food. And many doctors were dismissing it. Um, most memorably, one doctor told me, oh, you know, you're young and you look fine. It's probably just women's stress. Whatever the heck that is, he told me. <laughs> it's. Pro- I remember thinking if I'd had the strength, I probably would have drop kicked him right then and there. But I just, I'm thinking women's stress. I, I, my skin was gray. I looked like I had just barely survived an apocalypse. I mean, it was anyone with half a brain could see that I really needed medical attention. Um, so it was very, um, it was scary. I was terrified. Nobody could tell me what was wrong. Um, so I was, during this time, I was out on short-term disability. And eventually, I wound up being terminated for job abandonment 
despite um, you know, a two inch thick stack of paperwork from the doctors confirming once they actually diagnosed me what was going on. But um, unfortunately, even still Lyme disease is it's so misunderstood. And especially back then, it was even more misunderstood. Um, so I was told that it wasn't a real thing, get back to work or you're terminated for job abandonment. Um, so basically, all in all, it was about a, almost a year and a half of struggling through illness and treatment to finally get into remission. And at what point did they finally diagnose, diagnose you with Lyme disease? Because, I mean, I mean, we live in Bucks County, and there are deer everywhere. I mean, on any given day, I have eight in my backyard. It's, you know, there's like a herd that just comes in and out of our field. But so at what at what point in time did they finally think to test you for Lyme disease? Because I would have thought that would have been more forefront. Your symptoms are pretty typical. Um, yeah. I mean, you would think, and what really makes it interesting or really infuriating is the previous year, uh, my husband, Matt and I were on a cruise. And during that cruise, I noticed this weird rash on the back of my arm and I'd never seen anything like it. So I took a photo and when we got back from vacation, I went in to see the doctor and I showed him the picture and he was a very reputable doctor in Bucks County. And he looked at it and said, it's nothing. You know, where did you cruise to? And I told him, he said, oh, they don't have ticks there. And I said, but I, you know, I live in Bucks County. I sailed out of New Jersey. I mean, I could have, that could have happened anywhere. He said, no, absolutely not. There's nothing to worry about. And I believed him. He was the expert. He had a great reputation and normally I, <laughs> I investigate everything and I just took his word for it. And had I spoken up and pushed back at that time, it could have changed everything. So in the back of your mind, you knew there was this possibility. Mm -hmm. I did. I, I'd heard of Lyme disease back then. Um, I, did, I knew very little about it. I just knew that it could be associated with a bullseye type rash. Um, but because I had gotten the rash almost a year prior to becoming symptomatic, it was dismissed. And what finally got me the diagnosis was I found a, a Lyme disease support meeting and I was advised to get to what we in the Lyme community refer to as a Lyme literate medical doctor. And those are doctors who, um, it's not additional education or certification, but they have a lot of experience treating and diagnosing the, the illness. So I finally got to a Lyme literate medical doctor and she ran the right tests. And finally we had confirmation. And I just remember crying my eyes out because even though I was terrified and I didn't know how bad this would be going forward, just to finally have an answer after almost five months was such a huge relief. They, they probably could have told me it was anything and I would have been so happy just to finally know. And then did you, were you treated with antibiotics? I was, I was treated with antibiotics um, for about a year because we had to treat the Lyme disease and the two co-infections, which were treated differently. And it's one of those things where you get, you typically get sicker before you get better. So it got really bad. I mean, I, I, was, I was disabled. I could barely do anything on my own. Um, you know, I could barely, I was lucky that I could get dressed <laughs> and, and shower on my own, but it, I was terrified. I didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, I think when anyone goes through something like that or any, especially any chronic illness, it's incredibly isolating and terrifying. And I, I didn't know what was going to happen at times. I didn't think I was going to make it. That's how bad it was. And it, it changes your perspective. Well, there's a couple of things I think that are important to note here. And one is that you had, you had the rash and it was overlooked by a medical professional. So that, that's very important to recognize that you have to be your own advocate, whether you have a medical background or no medical background, we as individual people have to be our own advocate and push for testing and things like that if we're being dismissed. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things you could do for yourself is to confidently advocate for your health. And any doctor, I believe, who would dismiss you or laugh at you, because that happens too, run and go find someone else. Because I think any reputable doctor will, at the very least, show respect for you, answer your questions, and professionally address your concerns. 
Right. And so what would you suggest? Like, I mean, as a mom, I know my kids have had tick bites. I've had tick bites, but fortunately we've never had Lyme disease. We've never had the bullseye rash. So if someone sees a bullseye rash, can you, or can, I guess first, let's start with, can you tell us what that looks like and then tell us like what we should do as soon as we see that? Okay. So I think, um, what anyone should know is, um, first and foremost, only about half the cases um, of people with Lyme, only about half the people actually even get the bullseye rash. So not having the rash doesn't mean that you might not have gotten Lyme disease. Um, so if you or your kids, you're, you're spending time outdoors, if, if you start to get any flu-like symptoms, um, it could be fatigue, you know, just your energy is drained, some fever, chills, any flu-like symptoms like that, um, definitely make an appointment with the doctor, let them know you spend time outdoors, and I would come right out and ask to be tested for Lyme disease. Um, unfortunately, the testing is still not completely accurate, but at least it gets you down that path and it gets your doctor to start thinking along those lines just in case. Oh, that's great advice. So now had you been treated when you first had the symptoms of the rash, if you had been treated then, would you have gone into all of these other symptoms? Most likely, no. No, I became chronic because so much time had gone by and it was in my system that entire time. So when it finally surfaced, it just knocked me down. Um, but if you get a diagnosis in a good amount of time, and we don't know exactly what that time frame is, but to quickly get a diagnosis and get on the correct treatment, you could avoid becoming symptomatic at all if you're not already, and you can avoid becoming chronic. So it's very important to be aware of anything that's going on with your body. Now, what time of year is this most important to be attuned to? Well, um, a lot of people think that ticks are only active in the summertime. And while they're most active in the summer, they actually survive all year round. I mean, they could lie dormant under the ice and snow and they don't die. So it's always good to take precautions when you're outdoors, but especially in the summer. Um, so if you like to be outside, staying off the grass, staying on paved paths, if you enjoy walking in the park, um, spraying yourself with repellent, whether you choose something with DEET or prefer something more natural like a eucalyptus spray. Um, and another great tip too, is when you do come in from the outdoors, throw your clothes in the dryer first for about 20 minutes on high heat, then wash them because ticks can survive underwater. So you want to kill them with the heat first, as crazy as it seems, but these are all just, you know, some things you could do just to help keep yourself and your loved ones a little safer. Well, and we have a dog. And, you know, she runs outside. And like I said, we have deer come in our yard periodically. So actually fairly often, and she'll bring in ticks. Now she, we give her the medicine, the prophylaxis. So mm -hmm. if she brings them in, most of the time they're dead, they die, you know, when they get on her and that chemical, I guess, kills them. But every now and then we'll see them, you know, on the floor and they're just cruising along on the hardwood floor because we yeah. don't really have, you know, rugs and stuff. But um, it, it freaks me out every single time. I'm breaking out into a sweat just hearing this because it freaks me out. It, it is scary. So I just, it's so important to check yourself and your children and your pets when they come indoors. Yeah. So you mentioned repellents. What, what repellent would you recommend? I mean, it's funny that we're talking about this because my son is leaving for Panama this weekend mm -hmm. for a serve. He's an engineering student. He's leaving for Panama for a clean water engineering project as a service project. Okay. And they said specifically to get bug spray with DEET. And I've always tried not to purchase those products for health reasons, obviously safety reasons, but I mean, it makes me wonder like, is that chemical exposure? Does that, have does the benefit of that outweigh or the risk of that outweigh the benefit no wait i'm saying that wrong the benefit of that outweigh the risk of getting lyme's disease i think it does after what i've been through i i use um i use sprays with deet i think one of them that i use is called repel 
Um, I use, I have different types. I do have sprays with that contain DEET and I also have a eucalyptus spray. So, you know, depending on each person, if, if you're more comfortable without the chemicals, you know, go for something with eucalyptus um, and you can always look online and find others. And then I would say for your clothes, camping gear, shoes, things like that, there's a great product by Sawyer, I believe um, it's, it's their permethrin. And that is something that does not go on your skin. That is only for clothing and gear and things like that. But taking those steps definitely, you know, helps to keep you safer. It's not a guarantee, but doing that along with, you know, checking yourself when you come back inside, um, that, you know, every little thing helps. And I think it's important to really, I mean, in the summer, you said they're more active. They're more, I guess they're more uh, popular. They're more <laughs> present. Like we see them more because it's not as cold and they're not lying dormant underneath the snow and the ice, or even, you know, we have, we've had a pretty mild winter, so we haven't even had snow and ice. So maybe there are, you know, we just aren't outside as much, but, um, like in the summertime when they are more active, there's a lot of like farm to table dinners or outside concerts, things like that. So these are great tips because people should really be aware of taking those precautions before going and sitting outside for any length of time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be terrified and never leave your house again. If you enjoy being outdoors, be outdoors. It's just taking, like you said, taking those precautions and, you know, making some good decisions and, you know, things that help keep your family safe, your property safe, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's, there's so much push environmentally to not use chemicals, but it, we're at such a health risk if we don't at times. So it's a it's, catch 22. It, re it really is. Um, not for me personally, after my own experience, I will use a spray with DEET all day long. And, and while I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with it, I do of course have concerns about that. Um, the health concerns, but I know the other side of it too. <laughs> so, right. so that's just what I choose for me, but well, um, and I think it's important know. to, to remember too, you're doing this in moderation. It's not like you're doing it every day, all day long. It's periodic. So you're not exposing yourself. I mean, maybe some people are, if they're working outside and they have to do this every single day, you're putting themselves at more risk. But for us that are just using these products periodically, it's not as detrimental or, or we aren't as quite as much risk because we're not doing it every day, all day long, consistently. Right. Exactly. Are you a businesswoman or entrepreneur who is transitioning into something new, into the second phase? Are you trying to figure out how to create an audience, how to grow a presence online, but you are stuck on the tech and the how-to? You have no idea how to attract new clients into this business. Don't worry. I am going to give you the exact blueprint on how to connect and grow your audience and attract more clients. During this brand marketing strategy call, we are going to go through the six pillars of success for your brand. This includes, but is not limited to online marketing, storytelling, relationship building, differentiation, visual branding, and genuine networking. Sit with me for an hour and let's transform your brand strategy. Or do you learn better in a group environment? Join me along with five other women just like you and collaborate and mastermind together in one of my popular mini brand mastermind sessions. In two one-hour sessions, each one of you will get 15 minutes with, my, with me personally, along with a learning opportunity with each of your peers. We will go through each of the six pillars of brand marketing success, and I will help you strategize in all of the areas mentioned before. Here's what a mini mastermind looks like. We will meet for two one-hour sessions. Three of you will go each week. I will personally guide you through high-level brand marketing strategies. I will then open up at the end of each session 15 minutes for Q&A. And you will also have access to the private Facebook group to ask me questions at any time. In the Facebook group, you'll also have opportunities to network, to grow your referral source, and have accountability partnerships. This can be a great option for those of you who want to save money, but have the desire to elevate your brand. 
To learn more about either program, visit my website. You can find the brand marketing strategy sessions at www.robingrahamphotography.com slash brand hyphen marketing hyphen strategy hyphen session or go to shop on my website. That's www.robingrahamphotography forward slash shop. And there you will find the mini mastermind sessions and you can register. I look forward to working with you. So you said something else too. And when you were going through this and your, your disease advanced and I would have to think in that process, were you afraid that you were not going to, you know, get your physical strength and emotional strength back? Was there had to have been a big fear component there? Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I felt like I was scared all day, every day. It had gotten so bad and um, the, the symptoms, there's such a huge array of symptoms because the illness could affect any part of any part of your body, any system, you know, neurologically, your joints, your vision, your heart, anything. And I was just in such a bad place. I, I actually remember one specific time. I remember exactly where I was standing in my kitchen and just thinking, oh my gosh, if, is this going to be the quality of my life? from this point forward? Am I ever going to get any better? Is this it? Because if this is it, I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. You know, I really didn't know what to do. And I remember just bursting into tears because it was just so overwhelming and scary. But at that point I was with the right doctors. I had the right medical team by my side, supportive husband, family, friends. And I thought, okay, now I could trust the people who are caring for me. And, and that's what I did. And I followed directions and hoped for the best. And very gradually things started to improve. And that's when I started to think, okay, maybe, maybe I will get some semblance of my life back. Yeah. And what about a support group? Did you join a support group? Are they readily available? Where, what are some resources that people can tap into? Um, so I'm actually a, a board member with a nonprofit called PA Lime Resource Network. And they are at palime.org. And we are basically an all-volunteer support group. Um, we offer uh, different support groups that span across the state of Pennsylvania. And these support groups also offer online support for patients who are too sick to go to an in-person meeting. And our dedication and focus is to education and patient support and advocacy. So there, there are groups, there are people you could speak with um, and get help and get doctor recommendations. So you, you do have somewhere to go, which is great. I wish that was around back when I could have used it. Um, um, but, you know, the resources were a lot more limited overall. But, but yeah, it's definitely helpful. I, must, I probably receive, you know, at least 10 emails a week from people looking for, for doctor recommendations, prevention tips, and things like that. So that's a great resource for people to go to, to confirm their suspicions or even seek um, advice for prophylaxis and things to do to prevent Lyme's disease, Lyme disease. Absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah. That, that's awesome. So let's turn the table a little bit and jump into your second phase. Okay. So what are you doing for your second phase? Well, now I'm doing something I actually love. <laughs> I, um, like I said, my it, being sick the way I was just completely gave me new perspective. And I think I had a little chip on my shoulder too from losing my job so unfairly. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to make something happen on my own. I'm going to do something I love, something where I can work one-on-one -on -one with people. And immediately it was a no-brainer that that would be in writing. I would do something with writing. I've had a lifelong love of words and their power to affect people, um, whether it's educating us, making us laugh, helping us relate to others. Um, how to get started wasn't as easy, um, but now I am a copywriter and content market marketing strategist, and I work with entrepreneurs and small business owners, and I help them to grow and engage their audiences and grow and market their businesses with content that is not only strategic and attracts the right people and helps position you as an expert and build trust, 
but makes that emotional connection that's so important to, to building a more engaged and loyal community. So you are helping them build the know, like, and trust factor. Yes, exactly. That's what words have the power to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 they really do. As do pictures, I have to say. Oh, yes. <laughs> words and pictures together is just yes. extremely powerful. <laughs> yes, collectively, you, you just can't beat it, right? Right. <laughs> so give us, I love your, I love how you say um, content and connection or mm -hmm. I think that's what you say, right? Content and connection. I mean, it's all about, it's a uh, copywriting that converts words that connect. Yeah. I connect love that. So what are some philosophies that you use to do that? So I think that the most powerful written content does both. It helps you connect and convert. And I think the most important part initially is to make that connection with your readers because it's the no like, and trust factor. It helps to showcase your true voice, your unique personality and your message. And that's what people relate to. And when people can connect with you through your words, they keep coming back for more. They become engaged with you. You start to build that trust. And then when you nurture that trust, when you build and nurture those relationships, that's when you really start to see great things happening. That's when you start to convert more prospects to paying clients. So it's really just combining the strategic aspect of copywriting with that much needed emotional connection. And to develop that emotional connection, you're infusing their, pers infusing their personality into the copy, into the business copy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because people, there's generic copy everywhere. And it's so important that... Um, when, when it's your business, especially when you are the face of your business, people want to know who you are. You, you want to put some of that out there. And it doesn't mean oversharing. I think some people worry that in the business world, there's no room for that. But actually, it's more important than ever that you get your true self across. But it, it doesn't mean oversharing or getting too intimate with your readers. But it's just putting your true self out there and, and letting people know what you're all about. In, a, in an authentic, genuine way. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said that you don't have to get too vulnerable. I mean, there are certain things that we, not everybody needs to know about us, but to be our authentic self, we can go a little deeper than the tip of the iceberg, but we don't have to go so deep that we, we're revealing our innermost secrets or every little detail of our life. Exactly. Exactly. People don't need to know every little thing. They don't need to know what color underwear you prefer wearing and personal things like that. <laughs> but what it's nice for them to, to, to have access to is, is your personality, your humor, your expertise, whatever it is that, that makes you who you are, you know, and you can infuse your writing, you infuse your copy with that. And it just has such an impact. It really does. And I think when you combine your like visual content with that strong, powerful written content, you, it's a win-win because people are getting to know everything, not everything, as we just said, but right. they're getting to know your personality enough that they can know whether or not they like you and trust you. Exactly. Exactly. You draw people in. And that's another thing too, when you're appealing to the right people. And of course, this is the more strategic side of copywriting. You start attracting the right audience in, the people who you most want to help. So you're pulling in the right people and you captivate them with your words. And it just keeps them loyal and sticking around. And, and these are the people you want to help. So you get to help more of the people who need what you're offering. And what you just said is so important because if we're putting copy out that doesn't reflect us as the business owner, and doesn't infuse our personality into it, we're not going to connect with the people we are desperately desiring to connect with. And you're going to end up getting all kinds of requests and clients that are not fueling you. You're not passionate about the work and they're really causing you frustration and headaches. So that's something that is so important to, to identify with who your audience is and then create content that communicates specifically and directly to them. Exactly. I, I always tell my clients, it's mostly about, about um, what you say and how you're saying it. So what you say, that that's you. 
That's who you are. It's your personality that stays consistent. But how you're saying things is where you want to find the right blend of staying true to your personality, but also knowing your ideal client's language. How do they mm -hmm. speak? What resonates with them? So it's that combination of your personality and language that pulls them in and, and affects them and has an impact on them. Yeah. And really speaking to them and their pain points. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a process when you start working with clients to get to know them, to be able to infuse their personality into the copy that you're creating for them? Well, I do. I, we always have a call first so I can get to know the client, get to hear them, get to get my own feel of their personality and learn not only about them, but who their audience is. And like you said, what their pain points are, what do they respond to? Um, I also ask my clients to complete a comprehensive questionnaire um, so that I really get a feel for phrasing they like to use, how they like to speak to people, what are the key things they're trying to communicate. Um, so it's a lot of strategy work behind the scenes to get to that place, as you know, where you you know your clients now, you, you've, you've mastered their voice, you know how to captivate their audience, and, and then we go from there. And what type of copy are you creating? Are you doing... I know you're doing website copy. Um, are you creating blog content and are you doing working with like email distributions or email lists, um, email newsletters? And are you also doing online like social media copy? Um, I do. I, I've, I've pulled back a little bit on social media copy to focus mostly on web content and blog posts and newsletters and email marketing. Um, those are three huge ways, along with social media, of course, too, um, to really um, up your content marketing strategy and make it as mm -hmm. effective as possible. So those are my three main areas um, on which I focus. Well, and social media is definitely important, like you said. Mm -hmm. However, you're focusing on content that your client owns. Like they, they own their website, they own their email list. So they will forever be able to reach their ideal audience through that content versus for social media. As we know, we don't own that. And that could be taken down. It, the systems could be down, whatever. Something could break. And we no yes. longer have that or we no longer have those followers or whatever. So I think it's awesome that you're creating content that is enduring. It's never going to go away. And it can also be repurposed and reused over and over again. Yes, and repurposing, that is such a huge part of an effective content marketing strategy. You want to repurpose your content. Um, so, and there are so many ways to do that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's something that they get to keep and hang on to and they can do with it what they want. So now let me ask you this, when you're doing the email content, because we have such a limited amount of time to get the attention of anybody's who were popping into their inbox, right? Right. So are you, and I, I just recently interviewed another woman who's a copywriter as well, but she focuses only on email marketing and um, social media, Instagram. So those two platforms. Okay. So she has changed her writing and everything so that it's strictly like online. So, you know, using conjunctions, using um, more like shortened sentences or, you know, no, no, no paragraphs really, but a lot of white space and things like that. So are you, are you having to transition when you're doing like website copy, blog posts, and then then going into the email marketing segment, are you having to transition your writing style for that or are you keeping it consistent? A, a little of both, actually, if that makes sense. Um, so of course, everything, all of the written content you produce across your entire business should be consistent and should have that sense of cohesiveness, right? Yes. Um, but there are different strategies that I'll put into place depending on whether I'm writing your blog or email marketing for you or doing your website copy. And of course, part of that is when you mentioned the white space, it's how your copy is formatted and what gets people to keep reading. Um, you know, when someone sees a gigantic block of text, they're usually going to pass it by <laughs> because yeah, they kind of run the other way. <laughs> exactly. Our attention spans are, are what, like half a second nowadays. Yeah. So um, less than so seven seconds. Definitely. So, so that definitely comes into play. It's a little, it's a little bit of both. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's awesome that you're doing this because just, I mean, I do my own content for the most part, actually for all of the part I do it. And it's very, it can be very daunting, very overwhelming, and it can also be very time consuming. So it's a, you're a great resource for people who maybe don't have, a lot of people don't have writing skills and it's very overwhelming to people. So this is a great way that you can serve other people and yet have the independence of being in business for yourself and getting able to fuel your passion. It, it really is. It's a great, it's a great mix. So it's, it's a great feeling to be doing something that I love this much and being able to work with the clients I work with and help them in a way that just takes a huge amount of stress and work off their plates. And it allows them to put their focus where they most want and need it to be. So maybe that's scaling their business or they really want to be speaking on big stages. So that's what they want to be focused on, getting those opportunities. And they know that the, the content and the marketing strategy behind it is handled. And That's can I just, fabulous. can I say too, I, you know, I, I read your emails, I'm on your list and I love your emails because they are this great mix of providing value. Every time I get an email from you, I read it from start to finish because I know it's filled with good stuff and you put your personality in there in a way where I almost feel like you're just, you're sending me an email as if we're friends, you're sending me an email. So it has this great mix of professionalism and personality. So, oh my gosh, I've got like tears in my eyes, everybody, because <laughs> you have no idea how much that means oh, to me. Thank you. You're welcome. And it's because you know, it is, it's a vulnerable thing. Like you have to be really vulnerable when you're doing this. Cause you don't know, you don't, people don't respond back to you and say, Oh, Hey, loved your email or Oh, great content. Nobody says those things to you. Right. And you really don't know. You look at your click through rates and it's like, Oh, you know, sometimes it's 17%. Sometimes it's 1%. Like you don't know. And then you have the unsubscribe. So to be, for, for you to say that to me, that was like the biggest compliment ever. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. <laughs> Thank you. So listeners, if you're not subscribed to my email list, go to my website. You'll be able to download something free. We have a lot of um, lead magnets there. So go ahead, download something, a gift from me and subscribe to my email list. You and hopefully you'll like it as much as Jill does. <laughs> okay. So Jill, now that I'm like totally flattered, do you have a book recommendation for the listeners? You know, I do. And it's, it's not a business related book, but it's one that I read recently that I couldn't put down. Um, it's Miss Peregrine's School for Peculiar Children. It's the oh, first. Oh, I love that. Did you read it? Yes. It's, I'm, I'm in the middle of the second one now. So it's a first, uh, the first in a series of, I don't even know how many are out at this point. I know there's at least three. I think there might be more. Um, but I just got so pulled into that book. Just, it's so creative and it's actually kind of perfect being that you're a photographer because we were talking about words and photos together. If you've read the book, you know exactly what I mean. And if you haven't yet, it's just a just go get it. It's, it's very, it's a little different. It's creative and it just sucks you right in. Yeah, it does. And there's also, I actually watched the movie with my daughter. Oh, how was it? I haven't seen it. It was good. It was good. It was good. Not, I mean, for me, when I always read the book first. And so I'm almost always a little disappointed with the, the movie, you know, because they leave yeah. out some of the parts that I really thought were important, but it was still good. And for her, it was a couple of years ago. I think we watched it. So she was still, you know, pretty young. And, um, so we, but we enjoyed it together. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. How about a favorite quote? One of my favorite quotes is what you allow will continue short and sweet mm. and to the point, but it's, it's a lesson that took me a long time <laughs> to, to really absorb and learn, but I just love the simplicity of it. Oh, I do too. And it could, you, it is simple, but it's also very deep. It is. Yeah. And it's very true. Yeah. It's, you know, boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay. So do you have any questions for me related to personal branding or life in general? <laughs> I, I do. Um, I, I know for me, one of my, one of my challenges has been to consistently, you know, set and adhere to boundaries. And doing it in a way where I'm not feeling guilty about it. There's no fear or guilt associated, you know, associated with it. 
And I wanted to ask you with all the things that you do, I'm sure there's, you know, a strain on your time and energy. Have you ever faced the challenge of setting boundaries and basically protecting your own well-being, your own time and energy without the worry or the guilt? I have definitely done that, but to say that I've done it always without worry and guilt would be lying. Um, what I've had to do is, is almost use force with myself to say, because I, I want to provide that highest level of customer service, but if I have had to start in the past couple of years, you know, if somebody contacts me after say five o'clock or six o'clock in the evening, I don't feel anxious and rushed about responding to them. If I'm meant to work with them, then they will still be there in the morning. And I've kind of had to re rethink my entire, um, I guess, philosophy on my business because, you know, at first I wanted every client, I wanted to do everything for everyone. And then I realized if in doing that, I wasn't pleasing myself. I wasn't fueling myself. I wasn't satisfying myself. And I was starting to lose some of the, the, I guess, quote unquote, balance that I had in my life. And so I've become a lot more selective and more, um, I guess, responsible with the timing of how I, when I respond to things and how I respond to things. So nothing I've learned is urgent. And, you know, if maybe if I was in the medical field, I would think otherwise, but I do get calls for, you know, headshots once in a while and they need it tomorrow or they need it this afternoon. And if, if my schedule allows, I fit that in because I want to serve people and I want to have a large client base, obviously, but there are certain things that are within my realm of business that are not urgent. And I, I can take a step back. And I can say, okay, I'm going to think on this and then respond, or I'm going to, they emailed me, I'm going to give them an email response and say, can we chat tomorrow? And then I'll leave it at that. So it's something that I've had to work really hard at because, and with having kids, I've really had to try to step back and separate work from home life. And I work from home a lot. I don't always go to the studio and even after school, you know, I'm here for my daughter. So with that being said, I have to turn that off. I have to use like almost a switch, you know, in my head, I have to, you know, visualize, okay, turning it off, walking away. And I have to physically remove myself. But yeah, it's, I think boundaries are a really hard thing for people to set, but it's one of those things that like everything else, you have to just have the mindset to say, okay, now is me time and walk away. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just, I think it's a challenge for so many of us, you know, and you, you have that guilt and that worry. I know for me, it's definitely a work in progress, <laughs> you know, getting better at it, but I, I can totally relate to, to what you're saying. And yeah, it's good to hear And those. I think when you're an entrepreneur too, and in business for yourself, it, it can be feast or famine. So you want to be on the ready all the time you know, to satisfy yes. people so that they refer you and so that you can get more work. And anytime, you know, a, a proposal comes in or an opportunity comes in, you want to jump right on it. But I've learned that sometimes those are the things that I'm really not meant to be doing either. And if it's not there for me the next day, that was like God's way of saying that wasn't your job, Robin. Like you weren't meant to have that one and somebody right. else was. And I've also learned to refer things out, you know, instead of adjusting my family schedule, to meet the need. Like for example, I had an opportunity to shoot an event on my daughter's birthday and I said no. And I gave them the name of another photographer because my priority was her. It was her birthday. I wasn't going to take those three hours out of that day, even though she probably would have understood, but my priority was her. And so, you know, years ago I might not have done that, but it was just a decision I made. Like I'm going to set my priorities time as an individual and time with loved ones is limited and we never know when that's going to go away. So it was a mind shift, mind shift, <laughs> mindset <laughs> shift. <laughs> if I can get the words out, <laughs> mindset shift for me. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you just prioritized your time with your daughter. And you know what? So you, you recommended someone, that person to another photographer and Life goes on. You got to spend mm -hmm. the time with your daughter. You're still running a thriving business. So it, you know, it, it's, it still works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think everybody has to prioritize, like, do you want the money or do you want the, the home life and that precious time with those that you love? Exactly. I, I remember when I first started out, I felt such pressure to prove myself in this new online arena. You know, I felt that any credibility that I had built over my corporate years kind of disappears because now I was in this completely new space. I was practically a prisoner in my house when I first started working with my very first ongoing client, just, you know, from my own business. I was so terrified that if I even ran across the street to grab a sandwich for lunch to bring back, what if she called? What if she emailed? And I wasn't there. Would she think I'm unresponsive and that I'm not the real deal? And it finally got to a point where I was becoming miserable pretty quickly. And I thought, okay, this has to stop. <laughs> so, yeah. well, yeah. you know, and I've, I've often thought to myself too, if, if you're in corporate, you're not, I mean, it depends, I guess, on who your boss is and what situation you're in, but you know, you're not expected after 5 PM to respond to messages, right? You know, you're, you're given an hour for lunch. And I often do the same thing. Oh, I better not step away for an hour. Somebody might call. Or I felt like, <laughs> oh, somebody's watching me and they're going to know I'm not working. You know, it's like yeah. silly because in, in any organization that you work in, you're given breaks, you know, you're, you're given opportunities to refuel yourself. So as an entrepreneur, you have to take those moments and do that for yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jill, I have so enjoyed having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I was so honored to be your guest and I've started listening to your podcast episodes and I'm inspired and I love what you're doing. Thank you. Where can our listeners find you and learn more about you? They could find me at jillwickner.com and I'm also on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook under Jill Wickner. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the second phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.